everybody. Football Fact Check is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know, I tell you this all the time, and I hope you're listening because I wouldn't be one to jive you, that NFL ticket prices do tend to drop right before the game kicks off. Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans, including the man whose voice you're listening to right now, have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. For instance, you know, you had the family over, you ate the Thanksgiving, you're sick of the leftovers. You know what's a good way to spend your Sunday? If you happen to be in Charm City, why don't you head over and watch the Ravens take on those Niners. And uh, if you're not sure exactly what your view will be, don't worry about that because the in-app panoramic seat view shows you a photo of exactly what your view of the field's going to be. It's nice and easy. And uh, the app in general, nice and easy to use. Quick, easy, two-tap checkout. And it's not just the sporting events, also music, theater tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. It's Game Time. Hello and happy Thanksgiving, football fans. Welcome to Football Fact Check here on The Athletic. This is our free to the world. Gather around, impress your friends and family around the Thanksgiving table by what insights you have about not just the football condition, but about the human condition of the human beings playing pro football. This Thanksgiving, I have a lot of thoughts coming off of week 12 here, looking ahead to week 13. First and foremost, though, let's say hello to our family here in El Segundo, our podcast family going around the wheel in advance at the time of this recording. Our eyeballs and ears and hearts await the showdown between Lamar Jackson's Ravens and the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, you know what? I'll say hello first to the guy. He and I agreed. We park our cars in the same garage. The Jets, to truly start Jetson, would start to play well once and only when it no longer had any value. And in fact, you can make a case does damage to their 2020 situation by winning too much as they vanquish the once playoff relevant Raiders. Now off of this embarrassing loss to those Jets, the Raiders heading to Arrowhead. I don't know what to make of that. Anyhow, Jets fan, it's Gabe. What's the poop, Gabe? Hi. Uh, yeah, I would Congrats. actually say to Vegas, second guess this whole arrangement you've got with the Raiders. This is a bad idea. You cannot lose to the Jets. And now the Jets... Uh, who were ready to, you know, implode and and fix it all from the bottom up are now going to say, well, coach is pretty good. Quarterback's pretty good. Defense uh, is all right. Uh, and for, we're going to be living this for a few more years. Forget, yeah, forget about the, um, you know, Adam Gase part of it now. It, it really, you're now, I mean, I'm sorry, the draft part of it and what that does to your draft position. This is basically locking you into Adam Gase for next year. Whereas the um, the cross town or the cross locker room or cross hallway uh, football team there, they appear to be tracking in the direction of going the opposite way. The season isn't wrapped yet, but based on the rumors that they have interest in the current Dallas Cowboys head coach and he has interest in them, it would appear that the Giants are going to do the right thing 
all due respect to Pat Shermer, the human being and his family, that they're going to move on and try to reboot things there and give Saquon a better shot in his third year and Danny Dimes in his sophomore year and otherwise. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about what has sort of transcended just the gridiron. It started on the gridiron when Ma- when Miles Garrett took the helmet off of Mason Rudolph two Thursday nights ago and swung it at the head of Mason Rudolph, thereby starting a firestorm that has seen a ton of guys, several dozen guys, in fact, find at least from both the Browns and Steelers. That was chapter one of the Browns v. Ravens, uh, Browns, I'm sorry, Browns v. Ravens, Browns v. Steelers, and already here comes chapter two, and an important one for both those teams now because they both happen to be in the playoff mix, or at least the Steelers hold the sixth seed in the AFC currently, but right on their heels are those Cleveland Browns, and they do obviously have that one win in hand, so if they beat the Steelers head-to-head a second time, the Browns will jump the Steelers, and it would be hard to imagine the Steelers getting over the hump, Miles Garrett, not there, of course, suspended for the season, now upheld. But during his meeting with the league, as you no doubt have heard, he said that my, Mason Rudolph slung a, a racial insult in his direction. Rudolph and the Steelers and even the Browns, who were on the field, and the referees have all said they heard nothing like that. Miles Garrett says that he knows what he heard, and most of the Browns have rallied around him. Although, interestingly, they have said, well, we didn't hear it, but we believe Miles Garrett. And not surprisingly, all the Steelers have rallied around Mason Rudolph. And I suppose on the heels of, if you saw what happened on Sunday in Cincinnati, Mason Rudolph came out and was scuffling. And listen, I remain confident in what I said when Roethlisberger got hurt. And then especially after Duck Hodges took the Steelers to victory over the Chargers. That kind of started a trend, and I was fairly confident then, and I remain in the exact same frame of mind that I was in at that point. This Steelers team is predicated not on big numbers produced by Ben Roethlisberger because Ben Roethlisberger isn't there. And if you haven't heard, neither is Antonio Brown and neither is Levy and Bell. And so this team going into the season was predicated on defense and ball control with their uh, with their allegedly strong offensive line. And if they are to sneak into the playoffs, which they which is a reasonable possibility. I'm not terribly confident that that's going to happen because they sit at six and five right now. And they probably, I I said, and it's looking like it's tracking to exactly this place about nine and seven is where they're going to wind up. And if I'm right about that, I think that the Steelers are going to be a game short of um, gaining access. I think 10 and six is going to be the magic number in the AFC. Now the question is, how do they get there? The short ter- the short answer is there is not a quarterback on the roster that is going to win the Steelers games. Back to where we started. If Ben Roethlisberger were on the roster, now obviously that changes things a little bit, but now this is all about the defense. Can the defense steal games the rest of the way as they have done since they began their winning streak in, uh, in, in uh, Los Angeles in Carson, California? And if you saw the game on Sunday, it was clear that Mason Rudolph was playing very poorly before it. And now you might want to attach the outside noise of the preceding week and that that may be impacted his ability to prepare. And there was a fair amount of gravity on his shoulders beyond just whether or not he was an NFL worthy starting quarterback. Then at, you know, late in the second quarter, I declared as many other Steelers fans had already declared weeks in advance, 
it's time for Duck Hodges. It was time this I'm not worried about 2020 or beyond for the here and now. If the Steelers are to stay in the playoff mix, they must vanquish the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati and they needed a spark and it was a pair and it's a it's a remedy old as time. Inconsistent though it is. Throw in the backup and he sparks the term the it, it sparks the team in the short term. And so he did. A lot of people in Pittsburgh and beyond who are saying, well, now you got to stick with Duck Hodges are ignoring the fact that Duck Hodges, after that first time he hit the field and threw a long touchdown pass, um, primarily owed to James Washington embarrassing the defender for the Bengals and running it into the end zone, that Duck Hodges was no great shakes himself the rest of the way. I think you do stick with Duck Hodges if you are Mike Tomlin. Here's why I think Mike Tomlin is considering not doing that. One, he is somebody who bears a chip on his shoulder about not being dictated to by the outside noise. The media is not going to tell him what to do. The fan base is not going to tell him what to do. He knows what's best for this team. And I think as a player's coach, I think he wants to establish with Mason Rudolph and beyond that he's got your back as a player. He's already stood up and said, I believe Mason, Mason's our guy, we can win with Mason, and so on. This is preceding the Cincinnati game. He puts Duck in there to provide that spark. They end up winning the game. I could see him sticking with Mason Rudolph because he does not want to validate Miles Garrett and the claims of Miles Garrett. He does not want to feel the pressure to put my uh, to put Mason Rudolph in there to disprove any of that. My issue is, is he really doing Mason Rudolph any favors by sticking the kid back in there. He exposes Rudolph, who already is feeling the uh, the heat from all this Miles Garrett fallout, and he's heard the national noise. Now add to that that everybody in Pittsburgh, the football fans that will be in the stadium on Sunday, the local media, almost across the board, from from my uh, anecdotal notices on uh, on social media and otherwise, and most importantly, the guys in the locker room at this point surely want to see Duck Hodges over Mason Rudolph. So I feel like it's a little bit cutting your nose to spite your face or cutting your beak to spite your face since it's Duck Hodges or your bill. I don't know. Either way, um, I feel like he might try to jam Mason Rudolph in there to make a point, And he's actually doing a disservice to Rudolph in doing that. Here's what I would say. Start Duck Hodges. Remove all that external heat of what the Browns are going to be saying, shouting across the line of scrimmage and otherwise on game day. Remove Mason Rudolph from the fire of local media and the fans and when he takes the field and otherwise. And what goes on in the locker room and any pushback that Rudolph and Tomlin and otherwise might get there. Let Duck Hodges go out there. Duck Hodges is not the second coming of Tom Brady. He is not because he is he wasn't even drafted like Tom Brady. He's a free agent pickup for a reason. It's because he is not a pro-level starting quarterback. That will very likely reveal itself over these next five games. And then if you feel like Duck Hodges is struggling, you have the ability to put Mason Rudolph in there and you're putting him back into the lineup in a much more favorable spot, which is the chance to play savior, which coincidentally is exactly why everybody loves Duck Hodges right now so much. Because he went in there, the defense stole a game for him against the Chargers uh, several weeks ago, and now the defense saved that game again 
for the Steelers against the Bengals, and that's how they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to sneak their way through all these games. They have the Jets. People say, well, the Steelers should now win the rest of their games outside of the Ravens games if they can beat the Browns here. All they have left are the at the Jets and at the Cardinals and game. Yeah, the, all those games are going to be struggles for a team that has no ability to generate any offense. It's dependent on the defense as much as any team that I can recall over the last handful of years. And uh, and and ergo, I think you go with Duck Hodges. And the only reason, Gabe, and I can see that you have some some thoughts about this, but the the one the one reason that I to get a little conspiratorial with you here. It's possible that Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and the people in the building have a sense that Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be right for 2020, which means he's not going to be right ever. And then without a first round pick, they're going to have to roll with Mason Rudolph, save some unforeseen bargain out on the waiver wire or some lucky get in the second round or beyond in the draft that Mason Rudolph is going to have to serve as their starting quarterback if Roethlisberger ain't right in time for September of 2020. Duck Hodges is not that guy. I know people have these fantasies about the story and they love a Cinderella story. Duck Hodges is not going to be a viable starter for the long term. Mason Rudolph, the way he's tracking now, also is not going to be that guy. But I do think that they believe in themselves enough that they've identified a talent, the guy who can make it under the right circumstances in the league. And that would mean that if they put Duck Hodges in now and they let him try to win this thing out, if he they say... Go try to win us four games on what's left in the schedule here. Sneak us into the playoffs. How then do you go back to Mason Rudolph after you get to that point? I think that that maybe is what informs Tomlin thinking about, do we stick with two? Do we go back to two here? Because he might have to be not just our answer in the short term, but in the relative long term. How say you? Well, I have a couple questions that I'm going to lead my witness here. But I want to know your your honest answer. So do we... We, do we believe that Miles Garrett, who spoke to the league in private and says that he expected what he told the league in trying to get his suspension lesson, not in order to get anyone else in trouble, but he says the, ra- the reason for his behavior was in part triggered by something that Mason Rudolph said. And he's, he's since said he didn't expect that to get out. He wasn't trying to cause a problem. You know how Mason that got Rudolph. out, though, right? Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, I mean, the story is, is that it was his rogue lawyers, apparently. I mean, that's what he's putting on them. If okay. you didn't want it to get out and your representatives are the ones who let it out, then your issue is with them. And why did that happen then? Because they thought it was in your best interest, Miles Garrett, to let that out. It's a little weird that Miles didn't want that out. And the rumors are, oh, he told people in the Browns organization as soon as the following day that something like that had happened. How is it possible? that no one in the organization, that the guys who he was talking to, a lot of his teammates, they never, they had no idea about this. Miles Garrett is so disciplined. He's so undisciplined that in, in the heat of the moment is swinging a helmet around. But that same guy went into the locker room and 20 minutes later was able to gather himself emotionally and otherwise and say, this has to stay under wraps because as he claims, it's bad for the league. That was that was that's Miles Garrett's that's his train of thought is this would be bad for the Browns and or the league and I am I am so willing 
to bite the bullet in the name of the NFL Shield that I will also, on the following day, despite what I know I heard, I am going to make a public statement apologizing to that guy. I'm going to apologize to Mason Rudolph and to the Steelers organization. But that was a lie because I didn't mean it. That's, I mean, it just, those two things are hard to, to reconcile. I think that it's possible that he knows what he did physically was wrong and he needs to apologize for it, but that there's a reason for it. And we discussed this on this show and many have discussed it, but that maybe there was an understandable reason that he got so upset. So he still feels he owes a, he's responsible for his behavior, but he wants people to understand what led him to that point. It's possible that he talked to his teammates about it and they know what was said. It's possible that the Steelers Why would they what, all say, why would all the teammates say, this is the first I'm hearing about it, but I got his back no who, matter what? what I'm, we got guys on camera saying that? We got got his yes. teammates Odell, who are Odell Beckham said that. Um, I think Baker Mayfield said that. These are two relatively prominent members of the Browns organization these days. It just we're, this is meant to be about Hodges and Rudolph I got and the you. rationale here, right? I'm saying it's possible that everyone who was on the field that day knows what happened, and that it's closer to Miles Garrett's version of the story than not, and that Mike Tomlin himself might not be such a big fan of his quarterback choices right now, but he probably doesn't care about the future with Mason Rudolph if he knows, again, if he knows that there's truth to what Miles Garrett said, because then he would know that his own players, and maybe he himself, is not comfortable with this guy. So going to the next best guy and saying, we're not going to risk a melee and we're not going to reward this guy, makes sense to me. I don't know who's right. Somebody's clearly not telling the full story. But I understand the rationale. Here. And what's the motivation then just to be a player's coach kind of guy and say, I got Mason's back and I believe him and I know he would never say something like that. And Cam Hayward, the the locker room leader, would also say that these are two men of color. They would both be willing to, in the name of the Pittsburgh Steelers brand in the 2019 roster for uh, for to keep the playoff hopes alive and keep the the locker room in the right frame of mind, would trade that in exchange for being for for willingly saying like, yeah, we know this guy said something racist, but that's a, but we're gonna let that go for now. I mean that that sounds awfully cynical to me. I, I you know I don't want to I don't want to say that that's what those guys have done. I don't know what the calculus would be if I were one of them. But it does seem possible that there's more to the story that's closer to Garrett's version than, no, he just, he didn't say anything and Garrett just made that up. And so there's no issue here. It just seems layered to me. I, you know what, you know what I think is the more likely football based explanation when Miles, when Mason Rudolph threw his, I don't know if it was his third or his fourth interception of the day. There were a lot of them that night. Either way, when he threw one of those, he made the tackle, I think twice maybe, on the on the uh, bad passes he threw. At least on one of them, he made the tackle. And a lot of Browns players were upset because it appeared he horse-collared the guy. Yep. And they were very cross about that yes. because it went, it went unflagged. I think that it's as simple as that kind of stuff, that sort of vindictive pigskin based kind of thing. I'm going to get you for what you did. And then he wrangles him to the ground. He drags him to the ground. Rudolph doesn't like that. He goes for his helmet and now he's hot and now he's swinging a helmet around. And I think it's as simple as I, I I have, by the way, 
I have no idea. I know it's hard for people to say people like to apply. Well, you would say that because you're a Steelers fan. I I also have no idea what was said, but based on the elements of fact that we can play off of, there was no mic'd up sound apparently. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was going to bring so, that up. So your idea is... So, there are like 90,000 mics in, in an NFL stadium. I don't understand how there could not be one mic in particular that picked up whatever the conversation was between Garrett and Rudolph. I okay, mean, but so but based on but based on where you're going with this, and I I, I think there are a lot of things. But if you think it through logically, let you so so you're now insinuating that the league is in on it and they've tamped it down and they have the sound, but they then have also told the Browns you got to toe this line. We we we, we I yeah, don't think it's that complicated. We I, we have that sound. But well, we know we were mic'd up. We know we know you would have that, and so give us the sound league. And the league's like, listen, Browns, it's not in the interest of the league for that to happen. And Miles Garrett and the Browns organization is going to toe that line, even though you've now plucked out their best defensive player, which then reduces their chances of getting to the postseason. Once you pluck ninety-five out of that defense, it reduces their chances of doing what they need to do the rest of the way. It just requires a lot of elements of everybody being in line with this one conspiracy, especially from the Brown side of things. And it also ignores that Marquise Pouncey, who is a proud man, is going to is going to roll with that. I know what he said. I was right there. I know what he said. I get it. I believe it. I, I hear you. I, I he probably did say that. He probably did. But you know what? He's on my team, so I gotta I, I gotta have his back. I actually, I actually kind of buy that. I mean, don't you think they looked at their quarterback situation and look at uh, Hodges and Rudolph and say, hey? We don't have a strong third option here. It probably is best. I mean, this isn't like the right moral thing to do, but it probably is best that we just sweep this under the rug, figure it out in the offseason because we don't have a third option to actually play quarterback for us if we do go after Mason Rudolph. Yeah, I mean, supposing he did say something that he shouldn't have said. And and to further that, I don't think it's that outside the norm for NFL players to sort of close rank and – and keep to themselves where they disagree with each other. We've watched this. So for the last several years, the off-field type things that come up, and some of them are pretty ugly. Guys who are involved in, you know, issues of uh, violence with women, obviously, you know, famous stuff like Michael Vick with, with everything that happened with him and the dogs, uh, even things that luckily where no one was hurt, but very controversial stuff with Kaepernick. We very rarely heard teammates speak about their other teammates candidly. We heard a lot of whispers off the record, on background. We know how people really felt, but very few guys would say how they genuinely felt about another teammate if they were being critical. That seems like the culture of players in the league. And I'm not calling them cowards. I'm not saying I would do it any differently. I get it. I fully get it. This is similar to other walks of life. Folks don't tell on each other, even when they disagree with one another. I, I It just hinges on at least a little bit that Miles Garrett goes to the locker room right after swinging that helmet and bites his lip. There's He doesn't talk to anybody, or he tells Freddie Kitchens, let's say, and Freddie Kitchens instructs him, don't ever repeat that. Or a, a, a handful, a small number, or maybe zero other people in the Browns locker room. This isn't in the Steelers locker room or out in public. This is within, those, within that locker room. And none of those people would say like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, Mason Rudolph had it coming because no one brings that up. That is just, that just doesn't seem reasonable to me. 
that everybody would be willing in the Browns uh, building to just toe that line because well, it's because it's better for the league that way. Well, and or maybe what was said was offensive to Miles Garrett and maybe would be to a lot of other people. But, you know, you could when you hear it back or when you talk about it, you could justify it or you could say, well, heat of the moment. Well, that's not that word. It's that other thing. There's a lot of ways you could qualify it. And maybe some people chose not to get as annoyed as Miles did. Either way, I think it is interesting that we're talking about the fact that, you know, they might consider starting this guy Hodges just to avoid all the blowback of I Rudolph being on the field. That, as you heard, is part of my yeah, thinking of why Tomlin would say, "I'm not you. You do not dictate to me who I start that's right. on this team." And again, I think he on that level. But again, it uh, it's doing Mason Rudolph some level of favor by continuing to run him out onto the field because. It's conceivable that Mason Rudolph's career is now over. You know, I mean, for as a starting quarterback, I mean, not not to say he can't catch on and hang on the back end of a roster somewhere, but if Duck Hodges, you know, gets this team to the playoffs, let's say he does win three games here and they sneak in at nine and seven and they get in and then Roethlisberger comes back next year, what 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 reasonably is the future of Mason Rudolph? Why is he doing that guy any favors? Unless you think he's playing some three-dimensional chess, which is I'm going to hang Mason Rudolph out to dry by even in, uh, impacting my reputation as a head coach by giving our team a less chance, a less uh, a worse chance of winning this game, but I want to stick it to this kid. Because I believe deep down that Miles Garrett, uh, I believe what Miles Garrett claims is true, and this is and this is going to damage this guy's reputation for the rest of his life. But I'm cagey enough that I won't just say, "Yeah, I know what Mason Rudolph said." I'm going to deny that Mason Rudolph said that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna acknowledge that. Instead, I'm just gonna make like Karate Kid three when they when they don't just have uh Miyagi or uh Danielson when they just don't have the karate champs just beat the tar out of them. No, no. Let's come up with an elaborate scheme in which the bad guy pretends to be a good guy and trains Danielson and teaches him bad uh karate and then when he gets into the tournament, then he'll get exposed. That seems that seems like awfully advanced math, especially given that both sides that the Steelers and Browns would on some level both have to have their own conspiratorial kind of angles on this whole thing and that they line up all to the detriment of Mason Rudolph, but not on face, all in more subversive, subtle ways. <laughs> when you say it that way, it sounds kind of ludicrous to take the position that I guess I'm taking, but I do think of all the coaches who understand their locker rooms and who have managed some major conflicts between star players Mike Tomlin is smart enough to walk this little tightrope. If anyone could figure out how you both publicly and privately manage all these guys, it seems like him, oh, given go, what he's been through. I think we kind of agree, but the other side of that coin is that Mike Tomlin didn't handle Levy and Bell and uh, and Antonio Brown I, I was well. thinking of the second guy, not the first guy. Was, well, he didn't handle either of those situations well, and maybe his thinking is I, just to play ball with or where did you he, are. Or did he keep Antonio Brown 
seemingly normal enough for enough years to that. set records that eventually it was just too much. But he kept a face for a long, long time Maybe, when but, we know co- quarterback and receiver weren't getting along. But the way it plays out is that, that was uh, that's on Tomlin. That was a failure on his part. And to have another locker room blow up, with the, at some point it is going to be Mike Tomlin's fault that he can't control this. And for what it's worth, this team did rally around Mason Rudolph in the week between the Browns game and the Bengals game. And to the matter at hand, in in uh, in pigskin terms, I revert back to where we started here, which is that for one week, this week, to stay in this mix, they have to take down the Browns. And I think the locker room would want to have Duck Hodges out there over Mason Rudolph. So end of story for me. And am I confident in either guy? No, I'm confident in the defense. That's the bottom line. What are we really arguing about here? It's not like one is demonstrably much better than the other. One's, one appears to be much more talented, and the other guy feels like he's a little safer with the ball, he's more comfortable under center, can run a little bit in a ball control situation with a good defense. Maybe that suits the team better going forward here. Um and, and and that's it. And I'm done with you, Gabe, and your conspiracies. I don't have the conspiracies. I just, I think human no, I, nature I, it's is interesting. part of this one. I, I think you summed it up, though. It, it all comes down to what does Mike Tomlin actually believe and think he can pull off here, and what does he think 2020 looks like? And these decisions will impact it, and he knows it. Very interesting where your head's at because it does rely upon, boy, really extrapolating. I'm living in a world where my brain goes to some pretty wild places and then those wild things seem like they come true. So I, I can't you've rule been watch, out. You've been watching too many congressional hearings. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> hey, everybody. Let's take a second here to talk about DoorDash. And, you know, last things first, I want you to remember this promo code because it will help you out. It's Sheck, S-H-E-K. That's me. There, that's the reason that my name's in the pro. Anyway, DoorDash. I want to tell you about that. Of course, we live in a glorious time for a number of reasons, but primarily because no longer does it boil down to whether or not if you're getting takeout to get pizza or Chinese food. Now every restaurant pretty much under the sun is available to you via DoorDash. No matter if you had a long day at work or at school or at the office, you can be in your sweatpants at home in front of the TV watching Monday night football or Saturday football or really you don't even have to be watching football. You could be doing whatever you want in your house. The point is, all you have to do is take out your cell phone and just like that, track down your favorite local restaurant. DoorDash is it. And that food will be delivered to you ASA and P. It connects you to, like I say, the favorite restaurants in your city. And ordering is easy. All you do, you open the DoorDash app, choose what food you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. And like I say, I said sweatpants and at home. You don't have to be there. You can still be at work if you want to. You can be in the library at school. I don't care. Neither does DoorDash. And it's not just your favorite pizza joint that's on DoorDash. Like I said, there are over 340,000 restaurants in over 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite too. From uh, door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order your local go-tos or the national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, the Cheesecake Factory. Bottom line, don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you 
with DoorDash. And now back to where we started, that promo code. Our listeners get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code SHEK, S-H-E-K. That's right, $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code SHEK. Don't forget, promo code S-H-E-K, $5 off. Go get you some DoorDash. Um, all right, now let's talk about another thing, which is the uh, the the Giants situation. Or the um, I'm sorry. Well, the Giants are related to this. It's America's team going into a game that I as I the the good news first for Cowboys fans. Despite the fact that I was pretty confident that the Eagles would win the division, and uh, and despite that fact, I also had and continue to have the Dallas Cowboys going to the Super Bowl. I continue to like the way they're constructed, although my confidence in all of that has dropped significantly based on the post-game remarks of Jerry Jones preceded by the pre-game remarks of Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett and the New York Giants expressing mutual interest. That indicates that the Giants will move on from Pat Shermer, but the Cowboys sitting at six and four in front of the game saying, well, if they let me go here, I'm going to go up to the rival Giants. Why the uh, of all the human beings on the face of the earth, the Giants would want to get the division rival who I wouldn't say is underachieved, but he's never gotten the Giants to a Super Bowl with Romo and some high end talent over the over his tenure there. Uh, the The fascinating part about this is, is that Jason Garrett is kind of like the T-1000 in that he's not, he he's the antithesis on some level of Billy Martin coaching for the, uh, being the skipper for the Yankees. He had a contentious relationship, if you haven't heard, with uh, with George Steinbrenner, and that always led to, the, to Steinbrenner firing Billy Martin. And in hindsight, how, I mean, by the way, I haven't really thought about that until just this second. What if that sort of thing was going on in the 21st century with media and social, excuse me, social media and otherwise? What if there was a situation in big time sports right now where a coach just kept getting fired and rehired by the same team? How, how as laughable as it was at the time, how funny would that be if that was happening right now? I think contractually it'd be hard with like CBA rules and stuff. I don't think a team would want to throw that money away. The coach, but, he, he means the man. <laughs> See, now what's going on here is that uh, I'm not 100% sure, just like my cousin Vinny and uh, and Jerry Maguire have flown over the head of our, <sighs> our young friend Cameron here. Um, I'm not 100% sure a Billy Martin reference is landing in his ear holes. So he might not I've apologized realize. to you, Gabe. He does not <laughs> realize the I've apologized to you about not watching Do you know who Billy movies. Martin is? Dave, that a rhetorical question. Like, just like, <laughs> come on, you know me long enough. Just I, say he's the, the, yes the, or no. the Yankees okay, manager. So, just, so anyway, let's go back to the question. Do you know who Billy Martin is? <laughs> no. Okay, see, there we. I was right. And I wasn't trying to embarrass Ken. Zuri, I, did, I have plenty of time I, to catch up and watch. Zuri, did you look it up or do you know no, who I, Billy Martin is? I'm a baseball guy. I know the story. I know he got fired a few times and like um, it was like a slapstick routine between him and George. And uh, Yeah, it got and, to the point where, right? they, where they fell into self-parody because yeah. it was so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Jason Garrett, it feels like has had, you know, uh, 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 you know, not as uh, severe a burn from J- from periodic Jerry Jones sort of, I don't know, we'll see, we'll evaluate. But Jason Garrett keeps the gig because when he gets his back to the wall figuratively, it seemed like the Cowboys sort of rally with a big season or a big win. 
And I'm going to predict here and now that they beat the Bills, who are playing well right now. I think they'll get back home. If I'm wrong about that, though, uh, they're going to go, no matter what the Eagles do on Sunday, the Cowboys will still be the first place team because they have a head to head win against the Eagles. So until those two rematch in, in Big D in a couple of weeks, Dallas is the first place team. And you're going to have an untenable situation where you know. If he lo- if Jason Garrett loses this game and then they're six and six, Jerry Jones is is now on Thursday night because of the holiday and he doesn't want to uh, dampen anybody's holiday spirit. He's not going to say anything this time around. You think he's just going to bite it again, losing to the Bills at home? He'll that that will only snowball and get worse. I think though Jason Garrett's going to rally this team mm. and they're going to win. And I still think this team is a danger. To lose in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's quite apparent. It's evident. I I just disagree with the construct. As And by the way, what I told you guys in about week three, if it wasn't even before the season kicked off, what I told you I was confident in that defense would win the season continues to remain true. The Niners and the Patriots are the best defenses – and would you look at that? Who are the top two seeds right now? Tom Brady is playing very poorly right now. He's playing a tick above Peyton Manning in 2015 at this point. No matter who's going to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. The Ravens, maybe. I don't see any other team taking a shot at, at the Patriots and knocking them off ultimately. The Colts came up short in Houston. I still like the way the Colts are constructed, but in the same way the Cowboys on the other side of things, they continue to be able to or should be able to, and the deeper we get into this thing, run the ball. Dak is still having a great year, and the defense is, to me, the X factor. The pieces are there. Now it's a matter of them hitting their stride collectively and rolling, and and once they get there, this it will be the mythical team no one wants to play in the in the NFC side of things, um, and and I but from an outsider's perspective looking in, I have no rooting interest one way or the other with the Dallas Cowboys. If this thing, if win or lose, this is now a fascinating story to watch the rest of the way to see how the the um, the relationship between the owner and the head coach now goes down. And I don't know which is more compelling. If the Cowboys keep on rolling under these circumstances or if they, you know, they the bottom line is where I started. The good news for the Cowboys is they're going to be in first place. And the other good news is if they just beat Philadelphia, who has the easier road to hoe from here on out, if they beat the Eagles, it's still a wrap on the division. They're going to win the division, and they're going to put the Eagles out of the postseason. The puncher's chance that the Eagles have is that Dallas loses also at Chicago or loses at home to the Bills and loses to and the Eagles dump them in Big D and returns that favor. That's the chance that the Eagles have, and based on the way they look, the way that I, but although I think you throw that game out because that was a weird, wonky game delivered by Mother Nature. Really, I know when I love the elements. I love it when it's snowy. I love when it's freezing. I love when it pours rain. This was this was weird though. The ball. I mean, they were throwing they were throwing screen passes, and the ball, the wind would catch it and and throw it twenty yards out of bounds. It was that that was a ridiculous game. I don't think you can read too much into anything you saw there. It's a bad luck for the Eagles that they got got in that situation. But um, I think that. Carson Wentz is starting to lose that locker room, as we foretold. 
Um, and uh, I, but yeah, fascinating stuff. And the and one more bottom line: Why would the Giants want to get Jason Garrett with some of the names that are out there? I have a question. Uh, first of all, I have no idea why they would, because all that would do is guarantee them, like Cameron sort of alluded to. Okay, so now you, Daniel Jones will be in the playoffs a few times in his career, and he'll never win anything. Is what you're asking for then? Which maybe you know, maybe if you're Giants ownership, you just want to add a couple more games at MetLife Stadium and you know do good business. Um, Garrett can give you, uh, you know, a 10 win team more often than not. But I, I guess I want to know this and I'll bring it back to your Billy Martin analogy. Like, are we sure? Cause if we're saying that, oh, they're going to fire Garrett, are we sure that that's the job anyone should want? Like even Joe Torrey under Joe Steinbrenner after, I mean, couldn't have been a better manager of that team was always nervous every year. He was reading New York post headlines about, you know, how he was simple Joe and he was going to get fired. This was a horrible experience for him. Eventually, I guess it calmed down, but not really. Why would Lincoln Riley, or I don't even know who else is considered at high enough level to take that job on, why would they want that gig? I think it stopped being appealing. I Because these guys are uber competitive. Why would John Gruden or any other coach want to leave the comfort of a broadcast booth where you just get to uh, throw your opinions down and, with, with, with little stakes behind them? about what other people are doing versus putting yourself into into the crosshairs like that because they're competitive is the answer to that. I don't get that either. Mike Riley, who coached Oregon State forever, was the exception to that rule. He liked it. Oh, it's nice here, low pressure, Pacific Northwest and all that. Yeah, I've been offered to move up into higher profile gigs. I just this is co- cozy for me. I don't want I don't want that stress. Most of those guys do. The Dallas Cowboys head coaching gig is one of the prime gigs in all of sports. There would be all sorts of takers, and I think that's what the Cowboys need. Jason Garrett has never felt like the right fit for me because he just doesn't – he's not Bill Parcells or he's not Tom Landry or he's not some big-name guy, and I feel like certain brands require that sort of largesse. I think that you need to have that as the Yankee skipper or the USC head football coach, and I think that is true about America's team, and I don't think they would struggle to find – somebody who would be interested in that gig. And it might even start with Sean Payton. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton's our first call. Make him say no to you because Drew Brees is on the wrong side of 40 and it's a nice spot for him in New Orleans. And I know he likes it there and the city loves him and he is a prince of NOLA and so on, but he might be seducible in uh, it, to Big D. Speaking of these high-profile things and the team that played uh, against those Cowboys on Sunday – the New England Patriots are almost certain, I'm sorry to say this, if this upsets you Ravens fans or anyone else, the Patriots are almost certain to be the number one seed. And that is in spite of the way Tom Brady is playing this season. It is not because of, for the first time in quite some time. So, hypothetically at least, if Tom Brady does not just get the team to the number one seed as usual, not just gets them to the AFC title game as usual, but gets them to the Super Bowl, which is more often than not, and then wins the Super Bowl, which is more often than not. Does Tom Brady then have the right to say, I want to come back next year as the quarterback? And it seems to be, see, the, the, the indications are that Belichick, think of it this way, they play the Texans on Sunday. If Bill O'Brien walked in and said, hey, 
uh, boss man, you know, Bill, Bill Belichick. Thanks for everything. Good to see you again. How about this? I'll trade you Deshaun Watson right now for Tom Brady for the rest of the season and for all of time. Obviously, Bill O'Brien would never do that, but I'm just having a fun hypothetical here. Bill Bill Belichick would do that 99 out of 100 times or 101 out of 100 times. Yeah, he'd, he'd go for that. He definitely would. You as a fan are not required to toe that line. Bill Belichick is overseeing the business that is the New England Patriots. You as a fan have deluded yourself to care enough about what these strangers who uh, are grown-ups as well what they do on Sundays and how that reflects on you and how that makes you feel. You are well within your rights to say, I think Tom Brady is our guy. And if you're a younger fan who within the last 20 years came around to pro football and to the New England Patriots specifically, all you've ever known is Tom Brady is the main man. He is the hero of all heroes. You would be within your rights to say, I don't want Tom Brady to go play anywhere else. If Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl and says, I'm going off into the sunset, he seems to be saying right now, oh, I want to play in 2020, whether the Patriots want me or not. That means the L.A. Chargers, let's just say as a hypothetical. What if he's on the L.A. Chargers? Where are you as a Patriots fan in 2020 if Jared Stidham or let's say they go get Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton takes them to 13-3 and and gets them to the AFC title game to play Tom Brady's Los Angeles Chargers? Those conflicted emotions, and by the way, I don't think that's insane to throw that out, that that both of those things could could happen. And if it did, where do you come down as a fan? And Patriots fans, when I've tweeted these scenarios out this weekend, got quite cross with me. Why are you trying to diminish Tom Brady or why are you trying to diminish the Patriots? I'm trying to do neither. I am asking an interesting question from a fan perspective, especially in this age of free agency where your hero doesn't necessarily play his entire career. And even before the age of free agency, we saw two other Hall of Fame QBs, Namath and Unitas, wind up in the very same Los Angeles or Southern California playing bum seasons there. But what if it goes differently? And what if Tom Brady decides, I want to keep playing do you as a Patriots fan say, I don't care if he's not the best option. I know you can go get better guys. Maybe he's not the best guy on the 2019 uh, Patriots at this point. Maybe Jared Stidham would go in there and outperform the GOAT. Do you then say, I still want Tom Brady? I mean, I don't like putting myself in the mind of a Patriots fan. But you uh, get it. Of course I get it. It seems very obvious to me that Tom Brady can and should be allowed to be the quarterback of the Patriots till the end of time. And that in a in a neck and neck race of popularity and who will this you know the fan base side with it's going to be Brady over Belichick, just like with the Fast series, like The Rock just like stole the Fast and Furious from them. It's just his now. He showed up. He's the most the biggest star in it, and now it's kind of his thing. Like Brady's bigger than the Belichick Brady duo than the Patriots themselves. You get me, Gabe. Yeah, Why don't Patriots fan get that the fans get that this is exactly what I'm talking about? Because the alternative is if it's Andy Dalton, as a for instance, and he goes 13 and three, and he gets them to the Super Bowl. Let's say now the evidence is that oh yeah, it was Belichick all along. You know that will be. Yeah. Part, at least, that will, whether you want to accept that or not, that will dent what you think of Tom Brady. You'll be happy as a Patriots fan, but you might feel conflicted. And that is exactly right. Now, the pushback I've gotten from Patriots fan is, so is Joe Montana's legacy impacted by Steve Young winning a Super Bowl? You You don't say that. Why is this any different? Well, because 
first of all, specifically, Bill Walsh retired in 88, and then George Seifert won the Super Bowl with Joe Montana, and then uh, Steve Young takes over in 91, and then his story is marked by playoff failures, high-end numbers, dominant performances in regular seasons, but the thing that plagued him was he couldn't get over the hump like Joe Montana. So, in fact, he burnished Montana's legacy and diminished his own because of the pressure, because that's the other side of the coin. It is very difficult to replace a legend. So whoever takes that gig, if they succeed in doing that, will be will, uh, that, uh, the profile of that guy is elevated. But, in fact, Steve Young was dented by it, proving that's how hard it is to replace a legend. And by the way, Joe Montana looked better as a result of that. And the idea that there aren't Niners fans who argue amongst themselves is ignored. Patriots fans, well, Char, I never hear any Niners fans complaining about having Montana and Steve Young. Then you ain't paying attention, man, because their Niners fans argue all the time about that. And I don't mean gleefully, like, oh, we're so lucky. We went from 16 to 8. Oh, we just have, oh, it's an embarrassment of riches for us. No, they argue. It, they should have stuck with Montana and doing what they did and turning it over to Steve Young is what doomed us. And we could have we, we could have won more Super Bowls. And that early 90s Cowboys dynasty never would have happened if we would have just done the right thing and, and, and gotten rid of Steve Young. That's the argument. And then other side, people say Steve Young was better and so on and so forth. It's not comparable because uh, as far as that goes, Steve Young, in spite of the fact that people would say, well, he wasn't as clutch is in the Hall of Fame as one of the all-time greats. My scenario is it's Jared Stidham or Andy Dalton. I'm saying, what if it's a league average guy who does it, thereby proving that it wasn't Belichick and Brady and a bunch of interchangeable parts. Rather, it was Bill Belichick and a bunch of interchangeable parts the whole time. It's unsatisfying it, from just a straight-up gut sense. What do you like better, coaches? Are you into college basketball? Coach K, you love you love rooting for that? That's a college sports dynamic because of the turnover inherent with college sports. Pro sports, guys potentially are with a franchise for the long haul like that. And so you can gravitate to them and embrace that guy. If your hero starts looking mortal, then what are we really hanging our hats on? Coaches? That doesn't seem that much fun to me. No, it's joyless, just like the way of rooting for the Patriots is joyless. And Belichick knows <laughs> deep down, he knows he is he's built some sort of football algorithm. You're and so the right about best that. match is Tom Brady. But guess what? He could reprogram the damn thing and weight something differently and make your, I don't even, Stidman, whoever the hell that is, he'd turn him into the next <laughs> Tom Brady. He'd love the chance to try. He tried it with Jimmy G. He got boxed out. He would try it again with some other no-name just to prove he could do it. It's joyless. I think, you know what? I think that's a great point. I think both those guys would love to do that. It's why bands break up in part. Yes. I can make it on my own. And if that happens, I think Belichick's going to win that head-to-head -head because Tom Brady is no longer the Tom Brady all-time great. He's fine. I, I don't think he's—I think it's it's knocking him too severely to say he's as bad as Peyton was in, in the Super Bowl 50 run in 2015. But he is certainly not—it's not coincidence, the, despite the pieces he doesn't have to throw the ball to in Gronk and otherwise— He's in his 40s now. How good is he supposed to be, for goodness sakes? Yeah. What happens if they split up and they both go 5-11? and 11? Tom Brady 5-11 and 11 with the Chargers and the, and the Well, Pats that's go my point. And God, I, I think, hope so. I don't think <laughs> – I, I, it would be a weird thing. I don't think Patriots fans are actively rooting for when Tom Brady leaves after this year, if he does. I don't think they are rooting to see the team go 6-10. and 10. 
But I think what the trade-off of that is, is that you say, see, it was Brady all along. And that's more satisfying to a fan. Not to the organization, maybe. Certainly not to Bill Belichick, the man. But I think from a fan's perspective, it surprises me that people want to argue with me about that. And what you're really arguing is, to Gabe's point is, yeah, the guy kind of figured out the, and I'm not saying cheat in the cheating, the the cheat code to the video game. Somehow Bill Belichick, I don't know how he did it, but figured out here is the way to always be winning in football for all the theories and the decades and decades of strategizing and everything else. I have arrived at the nearly unbeatable formula and I'll just take some guys that, that are willing to play it this way and that's how I'll become the greatest coach of all time. That's all he's done. And I think Patriots fans, if they lose Tom Brady, have a right to say that I'm not rooting for this team any longer. Just like, and Cameron, stick with me on this one. You know, Van Halen fans, there were some that just said, like, no, David Lee Roth, I'm done with you guys. It doesn't matter how damn good Sammy Hagar is. I don't want any part of that. And I, I think I'd, I'd respect the Pats fans who said enough of the Patriots at the end of a Tom Brady era more than I respect any Patriots fans currently. Cam, have you? Have there you ever... were a lot of names there. Some I will say I might have heard of. Others I will say I've not heard of. <laughs> and that's all. All I'll say. One thing I wanted to add, real quick, Dave, is the fact that the only person probably closer to Bill Belichick outside of his family is the Golden Boy Tom Brady. I mean, they're, Why do you they, think that? they're in the same room every single day, going over game plan. They've been with each other for nearly the better half of two decades. As as revered as Tom Brady is for his brilliance and his play on the field, don't you think, for as smart as he is, in his head he goes, you know, Bill's really assisted me and helped a lot, and the game plans that he formulated ha have been the reason why we've won. I'm a competitive guy, but I don't think I'm contentious enough to go, you know what, I think I can be a rebel, go to another team, and then turn around and beat Bill Belichick, the guy who I've been beside for two decades. And I know that he is this cerebral mind that no one can compare to. I think that if Brady wants to... I, I think that he might have otherwise moved on, even a, a couple of years ago when they traded away Jimmy G. He saw the kid looming, and it's it, to me it's reasonable on some level that the uber-competitive Brady could see, if I walk away now, if I, leave, if I retire after this year and Jimmy G takes over, this team's going to keep on rolling, and that is that's a bad look for me, and I'm hanging in like grim death until somebody removes me from this building— and if he has the benefit of winning the Lombardi one last time, it makes it awfully easy for him to walk away and leave a champion. And it makes it easy for Patriots fans to then make the transition if he retires and moves on as a champ to Jared Stidham or whatever fate awaits them. It gets much weirder if Tom Brady loses and says, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm back. I'm coming back. Wait, that's on you, Belichick. You don't want me? I think... Brady, though, deep down knows that he ain't Tom Brady anymore, so he doesn't do himself any favors to go and see what he can do without Belichick. I don't, but I don't know. He's so competitive. I would not be surprised if he, if against his better judgment, decides to try that anyway. And by the way, there are some situations. The reason I keep saying Chargers is because it fits. It fits perfectly. That Chargers team would be really good. Well, will be really good 
with any quarterback next year, you would think, I mean, if, if for once they can catch a break from the football gods, injury-wise, that team should be loaded next year once again. Imagine if you drop a, you know, look where they are now, all banged up and everything else. Phil Rivers could move. Maybe it'll be Phil Rivers for the Patriots against Tom Brady for the Chargers in the in the playoffs next year. I'd like to throw one at you, and I know we got to wrap it up and get to some uh, some turkey preparation here. But one more for you. Loop the whole thing together. Jason Garrett's fired. Right. Tom looks over at Josh McDaniels and says, come on, what do you say? They got an offensive line. They got the weapons we wish we had here. You wish you could have been a head coach. It didn't work out. You didn't have the people at the last stop. Let's ditch the old man. Let's go to Dallas. Let's win a Super Bowl there. Throw a middle finger at everyone else. Holy hell. I love it. I love it, except that uh, that Jerry Jones will lock up uh, Dak Prescott. It's the only thing that gets in the way of that. That's hasn't done it yet. That's why the Chargers thing is is that's so a, juicy. But uh, I love where your head's at on that. They, one. they them is a package deal. I guess is really all I'm getting at. That that they they collude. That Tom plus his his guy bring the system and go somewhere with their parts. Hey, listen, it's you know my my friends over there who played in the league, worked in the league, and otherwise they will. Some of them will remind you and it's really fascinating how accurate it is and it makes sense it's like any other business that it's a people business and it's based on your relationships i don't i I could see the reason that see what if brady and josh mcdaniels if they could pair up like that could i guess denver because josh mcdaniels got fired from denver so that doesn't make sense i'm trying to think of where that reasonably could go down if the chargers don't make the playoffs by the way keep in mind they're looking to make a splash themselves as they open a new stadium Chargers make sense that one makes sense on so many levels and if they got rid of anthony lynn which he wouldn't deserve to be kicked out but if he did get kicked out and it was a package deal let me have my oc as now your head coach in sunny LA, I you know what I I like that I don't like it I mean it's an intriguing storyline and it certainly would make fans turn parts. out and do not think talk about one more time if you don't think that when you hear the cliche football pro football is a business then you ain't paying attention and if you think the Chargers don't want to make a big splash to open that stadium and sell seats Tom Brady doing that would would get that result and would immediately transcend the LA Rams immediately at the opening of that stadium. I believe the stadium they currently played in, I believe was opened when they brought over David Beckham to play soccer in LA to try to bring some people over. So there's precedent in this city for just bringing in a star and saying, Hey, look, everybody, I think it makes sense. Hey, good talk, fellas. I thought that was uh, that was a fun uh, I, blend I, of football and uh, the the human realities of these. I just things. like to make sure that, that I, it's clear that I'm just teasing Cameron here. This guy knows a hell of a lot more about a lot of things than I do. I just have this one little blind just spot. Just not my like cousin Vinny. Yeah, he's just not, not great on early night in football stuff. and Van Hoosen. What is it, Van? There you go. Van Hoosen. Van Hoosen. Gotcha. Do you know who Robert Plant and Jimmy Page are? What if I say I didn't? What what would be the Just recourse? No. What are you going to say? I'm asking you a question. We're talking about no, I know, I know. You're you're because I immediately thought of that when, although that's not the most uh, you know contentious one, but 
when you say like, well, yeah, Brady and Belichick, I mean, they've, they've had a lot of success together. Surely they can both appreciate that. Right. Like, yeah, that's, I don't know. Then why would anybody ever get divorced or, or any business situation ever break up or anything? Cause personalities, people make up egos and otherwise. Are you you don't know Jimmy Page and uh, no I know what what's the backstory there Do we have enough time or the, there's what, a what? band called Led Zeppelin that they were in You heard of Led Zeppelin Yeah uh, good there Pour some go. sugar on me Was that That's uh, it Is that Is that wrong Listen the mustache looks uh, delicious and uh, I you, for one am thankful for Cam and I'm thankful for Zuri who I literally don't think I even said hello to I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say hello to Cam we got right into it and Quincy is over there he didn't make a peep for the last how long we've been talking now 30 minutes Quincy's just been keeping his head down since Van Halen came up he's just been like he's like let Cam take it these has L's. nothing to do with Van Halen it was it, 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 it has everything body shield on. it has everything to do with the disgrace that I mean I know that there have been some bad losses by teams the Cowboys losing at the Jets when the Jets were playing the way they were comes to mind but I think, you know, under the radar, embarrassing loss. The Lions, I don't care who their quarterback was, losing to the Skins in yeah, front man. of 11 or so fans, that was terrible. It was the worst. I mean, we losing to a 16th seed team. I mean, come on now. It can't get any worse than that for a Lions fan. So, yeah, pretty sad day over here. And I, I don't know half the people you guys named for Cam, so it's okay, Cam. I don't know none of those guys either, but I have heard of them. You, I mean, you're opening up all kinds of cans. Here. I can I name some people y'all don't know too. So hey, no, that's right. That's yeah. why I was saying I'm just teasing him. This is his blind spot. You've got yours. I've got mine. Certainly, I don't want to get into. There are it. so many blind spots uh, that I don't want you've to get yet into to that. find. You, you, so just, let's just focus on the hey, music and the pop culture. Because all I do is record my voice into microphones and such. Um, because I'm a vain person. Um, in any number of places. I've done this on all the other shows, and so let's wrap it up real quick here with uh, some Thanksgiving talk. Let's do one round. Let's uh, let's rank our Thanksgiving items. I start with you, Zuri. What, what am I looking forward to most? What food item, food stuff are you looking forward to? It's oh, the best holiday yeah. because, because keep in mind, wherever it its origins, as I'll point out, you know, the Halloween, is a, for instance, has a pretty dark beginning. You know, it's weird... Uh, belief in uh, spear. I don't even remember what it is. We'll go read up on it. St. Patrick's Day, I think, has less uh, um, boozy kind of roots than than what it, most Americans. Murdering snakes, I think, is a big something part of like that. that. Yeah. And so too Thanksgiving. You know, its roots are neither here nor there when we're evaluating in the 21st century the quality of the holiday. And Thanksgiving's number one. It revolves around food and football. I mean, you can't. I mean, how are you going to beat that? You ain't going to beat it. It's pretty good. And you get a day off in the middle of the week. I would say I'll give you two that I'm looking forward to, and I'll give you the one that. Well, I'm... I'd like you to choose one. Okay, the one it's it's gonna it's not the most obvious choice, but cranberry sauce. I have an aunt. Ah, no, listen. The first pick. Listen, listen. You're 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 not letting me talk. <laughs> look, at, look at your Marcus Russell. <laughs> Why okay. I'll say one thing that he you just took gonna... Jamarcus Russell first I'll, I'll, overall. I'll take Jamarcus Russell to the Raiders first okay. overall. Uh, I have an aunt that puts a special ingredient in the cranberry sauce every year. Sometimes something spicy, sometimes something sweet. It's a personal thing. I oh, made it's a, a person. I made it personal, so now you guys can't shit. On you can't crap on me too much. But cranberry sauce. Uh, this is a surprise. Okay, all right. Uh, moving Wait, on. No, no, hold <laughs> on. You, you have. She takes her. She makes her own cranberry. And yeah. Then she surprise ingredients. Exactly. And we have to guess what the surprise oh, is. It's like a mystery it's a, it's a meat. What? It's a mystery uh, sauce. Yeah. All right. It's cute. That's it's a cute. nice little piece of family nostalgia. But you did just take I, I, Alex Smith with uh, was, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> sitting there on the board. There. I yeah. mean, there are several Aaron Rodgers I'll, available. I'll, to I'll you. develop them. We'll see. Quincy. 
With the second pick in the Thanksgiving draft. Second pick goes to cornbread. I can't wait to get some hot, fluffy cornbread. I can't believe I'm going to get one. my food. I'm going to get at least one tasty food here with those first two picks. Cam, how say you? Uh, The third overall pick goes to stuffing. All right. Okay, there you go. Nice seasoned stuffing. Can I tell you something? I, um, uh, you know, as New Year's draws near um i always say i'm vain and i am but i'm also an empath and i think everybody gets that about me if you if you deal with dave damashek you know heart as big as the sea so i don't make new year's resolutions selfishly just for myself you you selfish people all do that i make them for all of society and i do them every year and a lot of them have come true i i called for more rosé one year and have you seen a lot of rosé around yeah you have a big uptick in that I called for more, for fewer plates, more bowls outside of um, soup, obviously, and steak, which you need to cut with a, a fork and knife. What food is better delivered via plate versus bowl? You'll notice if you go out for dinner, more and more restaurants using bowls. I encourage you to give it a shot. A big bowl now. You got to get yourself a big bowl to, to house your, your, your meal. But it is generally better delivery. It helps it blend together. Unless you're one of those weirdos who's like, first I eat this, then I eat that, then I eat that. It all goes together nicely. And uh, my perhaps uh, best known is about six years ago, I demanded that stuffing, so delicious. Why are we relegating it to one day on the calendar year why not add it to all, if we can get mac and cheese and Brussels sprouts on every menu as an appetizer, where already is stuffing? It's been a slow going, but slowly but surely, you're starting to see stuffing. So good on you, Cam. That's the first decent pick I've heard. I'm sorry, <laughs> Zuri and Q. Hey, turkey drafting is a business. This ain't this ain't fun and games over there, we, Zuri. We can't just get by the turkey and go for the uh, the range pick? Listen, if you want to go for cranberries, that's what you desire most. That's your business, friend. All right. Uh, one thought. Here comes I think, Gabe. Uh, stuffing should talk to whoever worked uh, the PR for pumpkin spice. There you go. And then could get what you're talking about. We there get stuffing go. year round. If cauliflower. Look what look what yeah. they've done with cauliflower. I uh, I want to just say, didn't want to throw this out there in the moment and, and dampen the passion. I was the guy groaning when Zuri took my pick number one. Hey. Cranberry sauce done right My is the man. number one. Thank that's, you, Gabe. That's that's universal. Same page. You're you're the crazy one here, Dave. And uh, <laughs> and since that's not available, um, and and Q took uh, cornbread. I was I was gonna go crescent rolls. I'm just gonna go with something very basic, buttery peas that get a little bit of the gravy mixed in with them. Yeah. I mean, wow. How is it conceivable? That's the, that's yeah. the worst pick, dude. What? Did, <laughs> I'm sorry. Pick, I know, man. I had your back up until the last six words you said. I don't even know what you're talking about. Peas. <laughs> okay. You guys don't have peas? I mean, not on a special yeah, yeah. day. You I take had... your Gerber baby food <laughs> and you take it yes. back home and you eat it with your family. Oh, don't share yeah, it with anyone oh, else. Peas when there's nothing left in the kitchen. First of all, I can't believe in this in this would-be snake draft. Yeah. I can't, I, nobody, I mean, there are four people in here. No one took turkey. <laughs> I thought no that was awesome. awesome. I can't believe that be now the, the thing for me, like uh, being in a fantasy football league and I'm the last pick in the first round and the best players are literally yeah. still on the, the best. I'm not talking about like, wow, I can't believe that uh, the third and fifth best players in the league fell to me. The two, be- the three best fell to me. Yeah. They are turkey. Mashed potatoes. Well, mm. stuffing is in there too. 
and gravy. Oh, you guys, yeah. Nobody took no gravy. Yeah. Okay. I'll take turkey and gravy, and I'll say my good nights. That's the end of it. I win. I mean, I win with the last pick. Somebody's to take mashed potatoes, but you you didn't get no turkey. You didn't get no gravy. What are you, are you eating? A bunch of peas? Happy yeah. Thanksgiving, indeed. It's a vegan. It's yeah. a vegan show. Missouri and I are going to enjoy a vegan uh, Thanksgiving right. together. Yeah. We're staying lean. Yeah. Yeah. You should. One of you should invite the other over to your place Let's and do it. still what. have a terrible meal. Tell uh, Tell Auntie Irvin to. Um, Put peas in the cranberry oh. sauce. That's this year's mystery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Synergy. All right. Somebody's going to, yeah, cornbread counts, but that also, Cam, that you could get a nice roll. A nice roll with some stuffing on the inside of it. You can do worse. Oh, it's divine. Those little pockets that you can make within the rolls. Yeah, my family used to buy the Hawaiian rolls, the, the King Hawaiian rolls, and I would carve out a little void within each of the little buns that I had, and I would stuff it with stuffing, and I'd add a little gravy on top of it, too, and that'd be my little sandwich. That's nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm busy over here singing the immigrant song in my head. Right. Oh, that's a band you don't know. That's no. uh, Led Zeppelin. Uh, anyway, listen. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back, though, on Wednesday to get you right on uh, on the eve of Thanksgiving. But uh, fun to do a little Thanksgiving talk here. And uh, what are we doing, Zuri? We're going to do we're going to participate in the athletics. Um, build your own. All, dec- all decade team. That's right. That'll be the next show in your inbox. And uh, Dave's going to give you his picks for the best players from the year 2010 to present day. Okay. And are we going to do any game picks or no? Maybe we'll pick a couple of games out. Just let you know. We'll, we'll eschew the confidence pool and yeah, pick uh, our best games of the week. Look out for some game picks on that show as well. Okay, great. All right. Uh, so for Zuri and Cam and Q, have a good one uh, with little baby there. That makes things all the more fun there. I think you'll find there, Quincy. And uh, and for Gabe, um, peace. I don't know which one makes me angriest. I don't know. I have something to be angry at everybody about. Qu- Quincy didn't say anything, so that's fine. But Zuri with the cranberry, yep. and Gabe with the peas, and Cam with the not knowing Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I, I I don't know what. You know what? It's time for this show to end. Uh, and uh, and we'll be back in a couple of days. Until then, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.